Welcome to The Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm Roger Woodall, founder of the Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. With all events in 2020 grinding to a halt, I'll be bringing people back together, but in a different way. Just had a crazy chat with a real-life action man, Jay Morton. We spoke about his 10 years in the SAS, being shot at, going on the TV programme Who Dares Wins, jumping out of planes, climbing to the top of Everest not just once but twice, and the second time it turned into something crazy out of a horror movie. Jay has so many ridiculous stories and was an absolute pleasure. Here's the man himself, Mr. Jay Morton. Jay, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me on, Dodge. Yeah, mate. Good to have you on here. What made you choose the military and how old were you? Uh, so I went in the military when I was 19. Um, and I guess it was, uh, there's a few reasons, really. One was I never never really enjoyed school or got energy from school, found it quite boring. Um, didn't really like being stuck indoors, mm. stuck in classrooms, found, found the lessons and the teachers probably uninspiring and... It's weird looking at it now. A lot of the subjects that I found boring, I'm really interested in, yeah. like geography, history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's because it's not forced down your neck. Yeah. When it's forced down your neck, you kind of push it away. Yeah. Uh, and I'm an active guy, probably, probably mm. like you. Enjoyed sport, enjoyed PE. Yeah. Um, so when I left, I went on to go to college uh, to study sport, which again enjoyed playing sport, but just didn't enjoy the the coursework no, and, and the here. work that came with it. Yeah, mate. Yeah. So. Dropped out of college and just went into a series of pretty dead-end jobs, yeah. um, making windows, working in a factory. Um, and I had a friend that was in the military, and I always wanted to join the military from being in, in school. I wanted to join in the, uh, the Royal Marines. Mm. So he used to come back on leave. We used to chat, and he used to tell me the stories of what he'd been up to. And uh, it was something that, you know, I always wanted to do it. And I guess he affirmed what the military was about. Yeah. And for a 19-year-old kid who probably doesn't have any direction or purpose, yeah. um, it was the perfect thing for me to go into. Mm. And what did? How, how does it actually work going into the military? Do you choose a regiment? What What's the next step for you? So, so I, I always wanted to join the Marines. Yeah, didn't for whatever reason. Um, it was actually <laughs> funny, funny, funny story. Do you remember the the advert? The 99.9 percent yeah. did not apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the worst. So, so that actually was like the worst mistake that the Marines ever did because no one applied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to do a double double bluff. Yeah. I was, I was probably one of those guys. I was like, definitely not that 0.1%. Equality. <laughs> so I, yeah, I had a friend, he went in the paras and uh, you go into your army careers office and apply for it. And um, so luckily my mate that was in the paras was basically told me when you go in, they'll try and get you to join up the local regiment or yeah. a, a different regiment, stick to your guns and just say you want to join the paras. Yeah. So I went in, naive little kid. Yeah. He put some videos on, on a, on a video yeah. cassette and sat and watched those. He tried to convince me to go into another regiment. Right, okay. Um, said, you know, you can play sport. You get, you get fed up. You get sold. You get you sold the dream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, you know, I played rugby league at the time. So he's like, you go play rugby league and go box. You travel around yeah. the world. Uh, never played any of it when yeah. I joined. Like, <laughs> right, you know, two years in, run operations. Uh, so you were, so you were, you were, that was up north, was it, or did you have to move somewhere, or was that were you yeah, based I was up Preston. there? You're Preston, okay. Uh, but then I was based in Colchester, ah, uh, parachute okay. regiment are based. 
And how long were you in the parachute regiment for? Four years. Four years. And, yeah. and, and, and what, what do you do in the parachute regiment? Um, so their primary job is an airborne assault force. So if you think that the Marines and the Paras are probably the two biggest yeah. or two best units in the British Army, yeah. um, the Marines basically look after things that are, are offshore. Yeah. So anything in the sea, yeah. Paras are onshore. Okay. Uh, and the idea is that you've got the regular infantry will fight a battle up to a a flock, so a forward line of enemy troops. Yeah. Um, and then the paras job is to fly in in an aeroplane, jump out and land behind that flock. And oh, quality. Disrupt and disturb that area. Okay. Um, obviously, that's that's the primary job, but yeah. then operations dictate what you actually do on the ground. Right. So for me, I joined, went to Iraq. That was when... Oh, wow. Post-Iraq war, that was when... What year are we talking here in Iraq? 2000 and... So I joined 2004, 2005, I was in Iraq. So you, so you were in Iraq as a 20-year-old kid? Yeah, but that wasn't too bad. Right, okay. That was three months. It's quite um, young, right? 20 years old to all of a sudden find yourself in Iraq. Yeah, Afghanistan was probably the biggest learner. Really? Yeah, we... So Iraq was dying down. We did three months in Iraq, which was... And you say it was dying down. Dying down from what? The war. The war going the on there. Gulf. Yeah, and you were going in there to protect... Or yeah. to um, look after, or to what were you going in there for? It's more just, it's like a show of force or boots on the ground. You've okay. got a specific task. So I was quite young at the time. So I didn't, you, you leave the training depot as a, a parachute regiment soldier. Yeah. But I guess you don't really understand what happens strategically until yeah. you've been in quite a bit. Yeah. Um, we just got big in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days getting paid to get, like, a, yeah. get the big lumps. <laughs> we had this, um, yeah, literally just pet food, training Quality. the gym. <laughs> Sounds um, good. Yeah. <laughs> There's a swimming pool out there, so we're chilling in the swimming pool. Uh, but we were going out on the ground and doing stuff, but nothing really happened. Okay. Um, and so that was in Iraq, but then that yeah. changed when you, did you have to come back and then they flew you back to Afghanistan? Yeah. So I think the Americans looked at going back to Afghanistan in 2005 or 2006. Yeah. We obviously supported them. Yeah. We were in Iraq in 2005 when we got the the call that the Americans are going to go back in. We're yeah. going to support them, um, and it was yeah, it was three para that went over there in 2006. So wow. I want to say it was less than six months later from coming back from Iraq. We had okay. Christmas leave, um, and then I want to say it was probably March that we deployed out to Afghanistan in 2006. Jesus, and uh, did you get a, did you get a buzz from it when you flew back back to Colchester? You're like yeah, or you like get me back to get me out there again, or get me to Afghanistan? Were you in sort of that age where you were just like bring it on? Or was there nerves or fear? I don't, I'm, I don't know. I'll probably say in the middle. I was yeah. never, I was never buzzing to get back out there. Yeah. And I know definitely that second Afghan tour, I felt quite sad leaving because yeah. of what had happened on the first Afghan tour. What happened um, on the first Afghan tour? It was just a lot of fighting. Um, so we went out there to, you know, the reason was to to provide security for Afghanistan so that we can help rebuild it. Ah, uh, okay. So it was a peacekeeping mission at the start. Okay. So we went over there in soft posture. So we were wearing um, thin body armor. Yeah. We had floppy hats on instead yeah. of helmets. Yeah. Not expecting that anything would kick off. Um, and then literally the first job that we went out on in Nauzad came off the back of the helicopters and you could just hear that was like the first time that I'd heard. Fire. A, yeah, a round coming your Jesus. way. So a crack and a thump. Sounds like a crack wow. going over your head and then you hear the, the impact. of. Is that when reality kicked in for you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's <laughs> a wake up call, isn't it? Because yeah. we weren't expecting that. Yeah, we weren't expecting it to be so, so kinetic, and, um, yeah, we did that day in Nauzad, and that was, you know, that was that was fun, right? You yeah. get off with your mates, and yeah. 
you're all like part of a team and we had a really close knit family like the pl platoon that we had at that time and was how many so how many close. sort of numbers are you looking in a platoon uh it's probably around 25 so it's 25 type blokes yeah all looking Split after down each into, other into four three sections yeah um each section's got a section commander um and then you've got like a platoon sergeant ours was dan dan jarvie who's this big jock yeah strong yeah yeah, like yeah. Jock guy that used to fish up here and really yeah nose <laughs> like grab your face and <laughs> nose blow you and stuff there's <laughs> always one of them in a rugby <laughs> yeah. team as well oh mate his fingers he's <laughs> yeah, just yeah. get his finger oh, and you're like, ah. it's normally it's normally a number six or a seven in the, in the rugby yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so then so you're out in afghan how long were you out there for on your first tour that was six you months. call it a tour is yeah, that what you call it a tour? Yeah. yeah that was six months six months uh, but that was um like I said, you know, that now is, that was the first experience that, that we rolled into. And then uh, we deployed to a place called Sangin, which is, which is, I don't know if it still is, but at the height of Afghanistan, that was the, the worst place to go. Okay. Um, and you were deployed we, there? Yeah, we deployed there for three months, pretty much, or pretty much the whole tour, three to four months. Jesus. Um, and at the time we went out there because the, the, the governor was getting accused of, uh, Touching kids up. Really? Yeah. And wow. the locals were turning against him. Yeah. So he moved into his house and uh, set up this this base. What, so you took over his house? Pretty much. Really? Yeah. Quality. I mean, it's not a nice house though. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we took over the area around his house and uh, set up like a little base, yeah. and dug some trenches and stuff like that. And okay. Then, Just the um, 25 you still? Was there more men? So we took, we took attachments. So we took a machine gun attachment. Uh, so heavy machine guns. Uh, mortar attachment so we, we bedded some mortars in wow um and then like medics we took uh, some intelligence guys um yeah and and just basically built a, a hq out of this wow. governor's building and did that make the locals feel comfortable or were there still locals not happy you were there was it hostile <sighs> it's hard to say right yeah because you can't go and Ask these people yeah, now, and speak. you can't sit down in a podcast yeah. and say, "Hey, guys, like, yeah, 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 yeah." <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a good podcast, yeah, would be, though, wouldn't it? it? That would be good. Um, it's hard to say, right? Like whether we did good or, or, or bad. Mm. You know, hand on heart, every, every one of the soldiers that went out wanted to do good, right? We want to yeah. go to a, a place and, and make it better for the yeah. people that live there. You know, that comes with frictions. Yeah. Frictions generally end up in firefights and yeah. gunfights. That's, that's going to piss locals off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, our intentions were were good, right? We wanted to change this place and make it a better place mm. to live in. But um, yeah, you end up scrapping, and we, yeah, we blew off the town up. And wow. Um, and how long were you out there for? Six months in total. Six months, yeah. and then you come back again to Colchester. Yeah, I came back to Colchester, and then you pretty much because that was the heyday of Afghanistan, right? That was the first tour that that that, that Brits had been on that was yeah. kinetics in, yeah. say, the Falklands. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was that was pretty much my life then for every two years you'd deploy out for six months wow um so you know four or five more afghanistans and then went into some of the stuff and then Bloody left. Hell. Bloody hell. that's madness isn't it yeah wild so then you were like so you were in the paris for four years four years so what's the next <clears> step <throat> up from paris SAS, Special Forces. And what, did you always have that in your mind that when you're in the Paris, you think, I, I want to be the next up, I want to be the, the king, I want to be the an SAS? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I was quite naive in the whole military sense. A lot of guys join the military and they know everything about each regiment and they know all the history yeah. and they've watched documentaries and movies. And yeah. I'm probably completely the opposite. Just went in because it felt good to go in. Mm. Um, and it was similar to the SAS. 
didn't really know much about it. Mm. Hadn't read any books. Um, spoke to a few guys. So you've got like guys that have been on selection that mm. come back and they tell you the stories. Okay. Of, and they're the heroes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. come back as the heroes yeah. because they've been on selection when in reality they didn't pass. Right, okay. <laughs> but they're the they're the all wise ones that have done Are they the ones in the pubs who tell you they're in the SAS? Yeah. yeah. I've heard those. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dodge, yeah. dodge. I was in the SAS. Oh, really? What'd you have to do? I, 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 I do a bit of digging and find out they actually weren't. Yeah. They're the worst, right? <laughs> yeah. They're all over the place. They though. are. Waltz. Yeah. There's a lot down here. There is. It's opposite one. So, <laughs> <laughs> actually, biggest, I, I, biggest was in, I was in the SAS as well. <laughs> <Yeah. but laughs> Qualities. Tell me about the training. What did you have to do? You said, right, do you have to, do you have to fill out a form and say, I want to be in the SAS? Or do they go, you know what? You would make a great candidate for the SAS. What, how, does that, how does it work? So I'd gone out on that second tour of Afghanistan in 2008. And at the time, we, the SBS was stationed out in the same place we were. Yeah. And we used to see them fly out on, on, on jobs all the time. And they've got a different aura about them. Yeah. I mean, it might be the same in, in rugby when you see a national side or yeah. you see a Premier, Premier League side. They act, they act differently. They yeah. look differently. Yeah. They've got better kit. Yeah. Um, they get paid better money. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got this kudos about them, which you're instantly drawn to, right? Yeah. You want to be a part of that. Yeah, I bet. So when I, when I went on selection, you've almost got to you, – you apply for it, right? You go and tell – whoever's in charge of you, your platoon sergeant and, yeah. and your boss that you want to go on selection. Mm. And if you're a complete Muppet, then they'll probably tell you not to waste yeah. your time. Yeah. But we'd all come back off that 2008 tour, which was quite a quiet, benign tour. There wasn't really much fighting that happened on it. Um, and we'd, we'd come from this 2006 tour where was scrapping all the yeah. time. And then yeah, yeah, did yeah. this 2008 tour and it was quiet. And we were getting sent on these jobs where we just, dug holes and made right, positions okay. and nothing happened. Okay. Um, was that better or would you prefer 2006 scrapping? Preferred 2006, yeah, yeah hands down, <laughs> yeah. Quality. It comes with its compromises, yeah. right? But, you know, we had a we had a good time. That was yeah. like one of my best tours. Yeah. Um, and the 2008 one was just, bo bo yeah, boring. boring. I'll say boring. Yeah. And was that time for you to say, right, I want to go into the SAS? What is the, what is the training like? What have you got to do to become signed off or a beret and a belt to be to say well done you are now in the SAS so it's a six month selection process yeah. so yeah you, you you apply for it so you're all volunteers and it's broken down into so you've got a, a three week hills package sounds like a holiday a three, a three week package <laughs> <laughs> a three week hills package it, it kind of is you get all your food paid for right. you oh, yeah, all, your accommodation. You can eat all inclusive you <laughs> he's got to cover 30 kilometers every day with a load of kit on is that back. right pretty much yeah so for three weeks you're camping? No, so you stay in a camp. Yep. Um, and then you're off in the Brecon Beacons. Yep. Um Penny Fan? Yeah, that's one of the yep. yeah, Penny Fan. And um so you start off doing what are called DS led marches where you'll go out with a DS or an instructor. What's a DS? Directing staff. Directing, so okay. he's an instructor. Yep. Uh, so he's already badged, he's in the SAS. Yep. We call it badged when you okay. get um and he'll take you out on the hills you've got to prove that you can map breed and everyone takes a leg and you're out in a big group and you probably do 20 kilometers, come back in and then you build up on that. So you, you might go out and do 20 K one day, might go out and do 15 K 30 K. Okay. So you're building up your level of fitness, yeah. the, the weight increases in your rucksack. Yeah. You have some, what are called beastings. Mm. So Dickie bow woods, a classic one. What's that? Um, it's a, it's a wood in the shape of a Dickie bow. Yeah. And it's basically a massive hill. So you just, the, the, the instructors all come in at the same time at the bottom. You know what's going to go on, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they just send you up to the top of this hill, come back down, send you up again, come oh, back down. God. It's just that for yeah. half a day. Um, 
which <laughs> surprisingly wow. no one really comes off unless they injure themselves. Yeah. It's it's hard, right? Yeah. But you, you know your head you're on, doing. haven't you? You've got to go, right, I'm gonna nail this. Yeah. yeah. But you get, say, you probably get about 150 applicants. Mm. Um, and then after that first three week period, you're probably down to about fifty. Oh wow. But a lot of them so you, will... get rid, you get rid of the the yeah. weak the weak ones. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of them will just a lot of them just I feel because I've never been in that mindset of I'll bring myself off. Yeah. And I feel a lot of them, it just, you plant a seed. So that Dickie Bow Bow Wood might be a seed. Yeah. Right. Getting thrashed. I don't want to do that again. And then they'll go back that night, go to bed and give up. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just think about it. They'll think of going back and seeing the girlfriend and having some warm food and not have to get up at 5 a.m. in the the pissing rain. Mm. And that's the same as entrepreneurship as well in business. It's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of people come up with ideas and want to do it and they find it difficult and they just go, oh, Jesus, I can't do this. Yeah. And then dip out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably 99% of the people. You're doing a six month and that first three weeks was that? Yeah. First three weeks yeah. is, <clears throat> first three weeks is the hills. Um, and then it finishes with the last week is test week. So you have a series of marches, yeah. which are, you've got to complete them in a certain time. Um, and they're classic marches that everyone knows what they are. They're, they're set routes that the SAS has, have been using as marches yeah. since since the dawn of time kind of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's there's five marches. You, you're allowed one red flag, so you're allowed, allowed to fail one. And then... What, is that done on time? Yeah, time. Okay. So you might get, I don't know, six hours to do to do one. If you come <laughs> under that six hours, you, you, you okay. that's your red flag. Okay. And then you've got, you finish on endurance. So you come back in, you come back in around 12 o'clock or no, about two o'clock in the afternoon. And then at eight o'clock that night, you go back out on endurance, which is 66 kilometers. So 40 miles uh, and you get 20 hours and it's about, you're carrying about, about 70 pounds. 70 pounds. What's that? So, 30 kg Yeah, on your so, back. Yeah. Wow. Food, load of emergency kit. Wow. A rubber weapon. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'd not be that light. type they'd of rubber weapon yeah. <laughs> have batteries in it <laughs> quality just spins around like <laughs> <laughs> that'd be better quality, quality. everyone would be losing it everyone would be losing get luminous ones yeah guys can you hand your rubber weapons <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, yeah and then so if you pass so Everyone who gets to endurance generally yeah. finishes it, finishes endurance because it's not that hard, but it's just constant. Not that hard. So you're talking 60, 60 kilometers with 30 kg on your back. Yeah. But if you've, if you've passed everything else up to then yeah. or had one red card, you don't then throw it away for this one. That's, okay. Cause it's, it's slower. It's, it's one K an hour. Slower. Yeah. Um, and then you, you basically come back from that. You, you, you know, your legs are all screwed. I remember, yeah. um, and we're coming back and you get the weekend off before you start some comms training and yeah. your ankles are like yeah, massive. And I went, went home at the time and my mum made me go and get an x-ray because she thought I was, b- I broke my ankles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your feet are all pretty messed up. And then you come back and you've got a, a week off or a week doing comms training. And then you go out to the jungle of Brunei. Is that right? How long yeah, for? Six weeks. Wow. And that's, that's seen as the, the hard yeah, part. Yeah, okay. If you can get past the hills. Yeah. So you get, you know, 150 people start the hills. Yeah. You might have 50 that then go into the jungle. You might have 30. You might have 20. Depends. Wow. And then the jungle filters the Tell rest of the Tell me what you did the in dross. the jungle. Um, 
So the, the jungle is probably one of the hardest environments to operate in yeah. because of its, its humidity levels. It's, con you know, you're constantly sweating, you're yeah. constantly wet. Yeah. You've got, you know, insects that are just sucking blood out of yeah. you and, you know, you're waking up with leeches on your lips and wow. um, it's just hard living. How long, how long are you in the jungle for? <clears throat> Six weeks. Six weeks in the jungle and you're camping out every night. So you do two weeks where you're um, doing a, a build up package. Yeah. So you live in a camp, um, you go uh, you go out and do a lot of range work. Mm. So you get ready for doing the ranges when you go in the jungle because the, the ranges in the jungle are all um, really, this is the first time you'll shoot so close to other people in yeah. such um, confined spaces because there's a lot of rules and regulations in the military. Yeah. So if you're in, in the normal, if you're in the paras when you go, go to a range, yeah. You can't get away with as much as you can when you're in the special forces. Okay. So we'll shoot. Oh, I see. Okay. Because you want to get to a stage, yeah. right? When you're in the units where you're going through pitch black rooms, you know, some of these buildings that are built for training yeah. have, it's a maze when you get inside. It's it's a load of, you know, small box rooms and it's all pitch black. It's all oh, done really? on a set of night vision goggles. Oh, wow. Um. And you're, you know, huddled up as a team with live live ammunition, shooting targets. All live? All live. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So you've got to be able to trust each other yeah. with, with guns because um, you know, it's quite easy yeah. to be able to just pop one into someone's back. Absolutely. So, how, so, there was tw so there was 50 going out to the jungle? Yeah. Yeah. So we had about 50 and then you get rid of maybe half of those. Maybe what, a so, bit so more. within that period, some of them go, I can't be doing this. Get me yeah. out. Or does the DS say, you're not strong enough, mate? You've, you've got to move usually on. take the take the cells off themselves because you can that's the that's okay. the beauty of selection okay at any point you can take yourself off yeah and that's probably one of the hardest things of it yeah is that if it's hard and you're having a shit day yeah you're just like right yeah i want to come off yeah so what was your mindset when you're out there um for me it was were you stubborn um or were you just like i'm determined or like you know what i'm getting through this i'm gonna nail this like I'm not someone who who pulls myself off for any reason. Like I've ne I've never been like that. And whether that's stupidity yeah. or I just I'm just not someone who wants to pull himself yeah. off. So the thought of VWing for me, yeah, never an option. Yeah, and you find there's a there's a the people who are generally there at the end all thought and felt the same way because we you end up gravitating towards the same kind of people that you are. Yeah, and we you know, in my little group or clique, we never once talked about coming off yeah, or brilliant. no one talked about VWing or yeah. it was right. We, What's VWing? Uh, voluntary withdrawal. Voluntary. So okay. just take yourself yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So we, we come back in from being on the ranges and everyone, you know, you fucked. It's like yeah. the, the most tired you've ever been. Physically drained, physically dehydrated. Yeah. Um, and you know that when you get back in, you clean your weapon. That's the first thing yeah. you do. Uh, and then you eat. So as soon as we get back in, right, lads, let's get the weapons out, cracking, clean yeah. the weapons, because that's that's the first thing you do, yeah. and then we eat, um, and you 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 create this little group of people yeah, that amazing. are all doing the same thing, and then amazing. you you see the other ones, right? You see, it's the, you know, you see the 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 weakness just come out of them, and yeah, and, and they take themselves off. Yeah. How um, much how much trust and loyalty do you build up your boys? Loads mm. on selection, you do. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's six months of solid graft beasting yeah yeah in some of the you know yeah it's fucking hard yeah i enjoyed it. it though i'm getting drained listening to about how hard <laughs> it is i'm just picturing what i'd be like in wow wow hats off yeah the jungle's the jungle's hard like you know 
I wish I took a picture of myself when I finished. A lot of lads did, yeah. but you know, you, you must have lost a lot. You must have been ripped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get that. You get this weird. You get this weird little fat belly, yeah. you know, skinny arms kind yeah, of body. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're skinny eating. Fat. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it now. If I do the climbing, yeah. you, you don't come back shredded. You just have this little, little this little podgy belly. You can't there. get rid of. Yeah, and skinny noodles. That's like what you get into your forties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so you moved on from the jungle. Did you come back from the jungle thinking, right, I'm a quarter of the way through this. So the, the jungle is is seen as probably the last testing right, phase. Okay. Kind of is, kind of is. So they're really mentally testing you here as well, are they? It's almost like the jungle's the hardest part. Yeah. So whoever gets to the end of the jungle, generally they're going to be stood at the end of, of selection. Yeah. Um, because that's the last phase of people coming off. Yeah. Because after that, it, it doesn't get easier. But after that, everyone that passes the jungle will be able to pass everything else. Yeah. And then you do, um, what do you do after? You do escape and evasion, which is, um, so you basically go on what's called the run. So yeah. you, you're basically learning how to, when you go overseas, if you if the job goes wrong and you end up on your own, and you have to leg there. it yeah. and go through you know, a, a, a system that you go through wow. um, and you end up getting captured. Uh, you know, there's a big chance that you're going to be tortured and um, you're going to have to do, you know, videos. And there's all this, this, wow, okay. this protocol. So you get okay. taught um, basically what could happen to you if you're okay. captured. So you, you get set off on, on day one. Mm. And you where are on. you? What country are you in at the moment? So this is England. It's, it's all England. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we had, you know, it's six days where you get given really basic equipment, yeah. 24 hours worth of food. And they set you off and you've basically got, you start say here yeah. in the south of wherever yeah. and you've got to get to a location that's say a hundred kilometers north. Okay. And you've got five days to work your way through this landscape. Okay. Meeting up with certain people on the way. Um, so you, you're trying to escape a hunter force, which is trying to track you. Okay. Um, so you, you move at nighttime and then sleep during the day. Wow, and you pretty much do, <laughs> you pretty much do everything you can to not get caught. To not get caught. To it's weird because you know we did ours. It was November time, so it was raining. Yeah. It was cold, brutal. <laughs> and you've got you know you've no warm kit. It's just as in it, you know you're setting off as if you're on the run. Yeah. So did you get caught? Uh, no, Good. but then <laughs> so you set off in a, in, a, in, a, in a group. So we were a group of six and. Did you have to land? Do you have to get to your destination as a group of six? You don't have to, right? You can get but, there on your own. But you want to look after your pals. Uh, yeah, you, it was yeah. But you're trying own. to you're trying to escape these. So the guys that were, were tracking us were two para, and they're all like, you know, they can't wait to find you. Right. They, okay. They got dogs. They got all sorts. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Um, and I know that if I was in that tracking team, you'd really want to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> you do, don't you? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so. Obviously, if you start getting lazy, yeah, you know that. So if you start taking roads, footpaths, yeah. all that kind of stuff, that's where they'll be waiting for you. Yeah, um, and we <laughs> we were moving through this nighttime location, and um, there's like a big, you know, Welsh lake over to the to the right, and we just thought, you know, fuck it, let's just go on this road. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> We're all like walking down <laughs> this road, and all of a sudden, this torchlight just shines over the top of this oh, hill. No. So we all just go into this long grass and yeah. everyone crouches down. Yeah. This is like day three. Yeah. You know, you fucking boots a piss wet yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, this torchlight comes over and I can 
I can see it start getting closer and closer and closer. <laughs> and it just comes on to us and everyone's just like, oh, hey. no. I think it was me. I just fucking jumped up and leg. I've never run so really? hard in my life. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you get caught, you go into the what's called the bag or the pen, which is um, you get thrown in, in an interrogation situation for okay. six hours or whatever it is. Is that and when they play, like put a bag over your head and they play yeah, babies crying? and You get that at the end, but you basically get all your food and clothing taken off you. So it just ends up being worse than what oh. it should be. And oh. then thrown out in the middle of nowhere and expected oh. to. So yeah, we all legged it. And I remember... I didn't know this, but one of the lads ran straight into the water and started swimming. So, swam to the <laughs> other end of this ice cold water. You didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Who was the guy with the torch? So, probably one of the one of the. Four, one oh, of the I don't know. Yeah, it's probably knows? like a farmer or yeah, something. Yeah, it's probably, yeah. <laughs> we all just like it's a robber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember just I've never sprinted so hard in my yeah, life over these we call them babies' heads. Yeah. Um, like in fields, these big things of grass. Yeah. I just sprinted and sprinted, and then I I was on my own then. Um, and you've got this comm system with you. And for the next day, I was trying my hardest to find this this mast, uh, an antenna mast. And I thought I'd found it. And um, there was some hunter force in the area. And like, I literally, you know, came close to getting caught. Like, yeah. I remember at one stage, I was stood next to a tree and two two guys just walked out in front of me, you know, and they were 20, 20 meters. Oh. Yeah, maybe 10 meters. I could hear him talking. Oh. And I was just, I, this is, you know, the point where you just don't move, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if you move, they'll yeah, see they'll movement. Yeah. yeah. So I stood next to this tree, just like staring at them. Oh no! I, had, I don't know whether they saw me and took pity, pity on me. Yeah. But I didn't see them look over, yeah. and they just carried on walking. And then I was convinced that I was in the wrong place, but it was an antenna. Yeah. So I, I started trying to find this other antenna, and you've got these trees going around this antenna. And I stood there, and I was like, right, this is the place. And it started going dark. And I got up on this comm system. I was like, is anybody out there? <laughs> <laughs> I sent about four or five messages coming going, yes. Yeah, I'm at the antenna. So we all met up, made this little fire and had, a, oh, of course, had some it. hot food and stuff. Happy days. Yeah. And then so so when that finishes, when you finish that, what's the next step? Is um, that your final bit? So yeah, then you obviously go into interrogation at the end of that, which is... Talk me through interrogation. Which is 36 hours of, um, yeah, just getting interrogated. So that's, you know, if you... That's the um, stress positions and then being... Example of a stress position? Um... So cross-legged on the floor with your hands on your head. Oh, that's one. They don't sound too bad. No, right? no, no, no. That's painful. I'm yeah. just about cross my legs on the floor. Let alone yeah. my hands. It sounds easy, but it's it's and, not. And a lot of guys are like that, right? Yeah. A lot of guys yeah. are sports guys yeah. and stuff. Um, the other one is just stood, leaning up against the wall with your hands up, which again doesn't sound too bad. But um, what sort of time are you looking? How, are they just saying, "I'll just stay there until we're ready." You don't know time. You don't know time gets taken away from you. Wow, like sight gets taken away from you. Um, so you don't really know where you are. Um, and they'll stick you on a wall that's got water dripping down it. So you've got this water just, just being a nuisance hands. on you. Yeah, just, oh. <laughs> just things like that that yeah. just wear you down yeah. as a, an individual. And, and then, what was your mindset when you're in there? I'm going to nail this. Yeah, because you, you, you've been on the run for six weeks, yeah. uh, six days, sorry. Yeah. Um, and you've got to this point now, yeah. you've passed everything yeah. so far. So in my head, it's, it's fake, right? Yeah. It's fake. It's made up. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. Yeah. But no one's going to, no one's going to shoot me. Yeah. No one's going to, rape me or yeah. do anything that they say yeah. they're going to do. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, right, use and abuse it. Cause you have to, if you get captured, you've got a, you've got a, you know, you could, your last meal might not have been for a long time. Mm. Um, so you've got to play it, you know, play that player, play that card of, you know, please not me. Like, yeah. can I just have some more food? Yeah. And, and you know, they're humans as well. Yeah. They'll reward you. And I was getting like, 
butty stuffed in my mouth yeah. and sweets and hot. <laughs> but like, you've got to do that, right? Because yeah. I've, I've literally had eaten 24 hours worth of food over the last week. Yeah. Um, and then in my mind, I'm just like, do you know what? It's, it's the last 36 hours. Yeah. Just get it done. Get through it. But you, done. you know, by that point, you're hallucinating. Yeah, I you're, bet. Um, they've got this, this uh, when you're in the stress positions, there's uh, music that's played. Yeah. And it's, at the time, it was Middle Eastern music. And I could hear voices in this music. Yeah, I bet. I could hear my parents speaking yeah, to me. Yeah. I could hear people say my name in this music. And um, at the end, you, you sit down with your main interrogator. He throws a blueberry muffin your way and a hot cup of tea. This is after it's finished. Right. And you go through a debrief. And um, he was like, how long do you think that music was? I was like, it went on forever. Yeah. And it's a woman at 30 loop. Just oh, playing the same thing oh, over and over man. again. How painful is that? Yeah. But yeah, you go through a series of interrogation scenarios and whether it be soft, you know, someone being friendly with you and mm. talking to you like we are now yeah. or someone throwing, you know, hot drink in your face. Yeah. Pushing you up against the wall yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And then what? When you finish that, then what What happens? Do they... Um, do they what, how do you become... You know, you're now in the SAS. Do you celebrate? Is it anything, you know, what do you get given? It's a bit of an anticlimax. It is, is it? Yeah, you get, you've got another two training training phases after that. Yep. So you go and do a counterterrorism phase, which is shooting and stuff like that. And then you do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's bring that back. Shooting, shooting <laughs> what? Shooting who? Uh, so just training, because you shoot shoot differently in the, in the special forces than you do in, in the regular army. What's the difference between shooting the special forces or regular army? So in a regular army, you don't really have to be a good shot yeah. because the kind of jobs that you're going out to do is covering big areas of land. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, you could say that, you know, in Afghanistan, that was a bit different. Um, the special forces world is more um, going to people's houses, you know, fight, you know, getting them in, in, in their building, in their compound. Oh, so you've okay. got to be able to fight in tight spaces, yep. especially, you know, you've got to be able to take shots lethal shots at you know a close range or you know you've got to be able to take a standing shot of 50 meters okay. a headshot like moving targets wow. all that kind of stuff so wow you've got to you know we train quite hard that's you know you think of a special forces soldier his primary job is to be a shooter yes everything else is secondary yeah um so we drill that quite heavy um so that we're able to to carry out those shots and you know when someone's shooting at you you can stand in a doorway and take a target down right, okay. in minimal amount of time. Okay. And then you've got to think, you know, you've got stoppage drills. So if you go to shoot your rifle and your rifle doesn't fire, you've got to be able to sling it, pull out a pistol and shoot, right, okay. pistol, headshot in wow. the same amount of time. Wow. So that you get taught that and that's just a lot of repetition, yeah. just a lot of shooting um, and then learning room combat. So learning how to, you know, neutralize or destroy targets within a, a building. What's a, a full on fight, man on man? Yeah, I mean, you don't want it to be a fight. Oh, no, I mean, that that's the, that's the last yeah, thing, lot, right, yeah. that you want. If you've, got, if you've got a machine yeah. gun and pistols and stuff. Well, you yeah. don't want to fight, do no, you? It's like, no. you know, if you think of, you know, some of the more dangerous situations, you just want it to be over in yeah. a minimal amount of time. Yeah. So you have to be fast and mm. cautious and fight from doorways. And yeah, yeah. it's a different game, right? Shooting yeah. people in, in buildings than it is. This, is. this is fascinating to hear all of this. It really is. Yeah. And then what? So when do you actually get given the orb? Your badge. What so yeah, you, is it a... you do the, the, those two, and then uh, so at the end of the six months, you go away, you do some parachuting, and then 
yeah, you come back, we all came back and went out on the piss, Quality. as you do. As you do. We all knew we'd passed. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and then we all had a stinking hangover. I had to get up, do this computer test the next day, and they just called you up, and they're like, right, be at the, the clock tower at 11 o'clock for the picture, and you go down to the clock tower at 11 o'clock. They give you a belt and beret, salute you, whatever, take That's a picture. It. And then they're like, See you later, guys. <laughs> yeah, and this this group that you'd just yeah. you know been a part of for the yeah. last six months, and you'd formed some of the tightest friendships and relationships with, you'd have to wave goodbye to them, and the next day you turn up at your squadron and troop. What's so you're been... back to the paratroopers now? You go back to nah, your... that's you. You never, oh, you never, never go, go back. back. Okay, never go so back. Where do you go to now then? So you're in Hereford now. Yeah. You're, you're you're at the camp, the SAS yeah. camp. Yeah. Um, the pictures at the clock tower. Yeah. And then, literally the next day. So I met my TL, my my, my uh, team leader. Yeah. Next day you turn up in the office at nine o'clock and meet the lads. Then yeah, that's. So now you're all sticking now together. You, now you, you've gone from so you know all the the rest of the guys are selection. They all just go go to their go to their teams. Yeah. Um, whether it be SBS or SAS. Oh, okay, okay. And there was three of us that went to uh, my squadron at the time. Um. So yeah, like I'm the only guy in the troops. So I just went and met the troops. So you've gone from. Being like almost the big dog on selection, yeah. getting to the end of the selection, and then yeah. you just go and meet all these guys that are your team members. That and I was young; I was twenty-four years old. They're wow. all, they're all. There was one other guy that was he was two years older than me, and then the rest of them were in the forties. Wow, okay, so they're they've all been big. Around, they've all been around the block. Yeah, all done like multiple tours of Iraq. Wow. And and did you so, work your way up? Yeah, after so you, the ten years, is it like the top dog? How does it work? Or so do you, you have to go through certain steps. So. When you join the SAS, yeah. you give up your rank in, in the in the normal military. So yeah. I was a lance corporal when I went on the, on selection. Yeah. And then you become a trooper, which is a private soldier, which is the lowest rank. Um, and then you every two years you, you get promoted naturally. So you go private soldier to lance corporal to corporal to sergeant yeah. after six years. And then you kind of sit around and wait for a promotion up to staff sergeant, yeah. which could take three, four years. And then you go up to sergeant major, and then you can go into being an officer if you want to be an officer. Okay. But that's you know you're talking. I got up to the rank of a sergeant after ten years, um, and my next role would have been team leader of a troop. Okay. If I hadn't have got out. Okay. So you were in there for ten years. What made you made you the decision to go right? It's time for me to move on. Yeah, there's a few reasons. I think I think the one of the, the biggest one for me was freedom. Yeah. And just having my own freedom and owning it. You never had that in the military, even in the special forces. You're always told where to be. Yeah. You're always told what to do, what to wear, what kit to bring. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, it was the best job yeah. that I've ever had. But there was something inside of me that just wanted that freedom yeah. to be able to be in charge of what I do and yeah. where I go. And towards the end of it, I, you know, I got into the climbing stuff and was lucky enough to go over to Germany to train to be a mountain guide. Mm. Um, and I guess it was there that. I started seeing that there was more to do yeah. in the world. Yeah. And that kind of planted the seed for me. I, I got out maybe four years after doing that mountain guides course. Okay. What year um, are we talking here when you left? I left 2018 in August. Oh, wow. So Just, I've only been okay. out two years. Oh, okay. Operationally, I felt like I was gifted in a way with yeah. operations. I joined at the height of Afghanistan yeah. and we had a good time. You know, when I went to the, went to the SAS, we had a good time in Afghanistan yeah. and then that starts to close down. And yeah different operations open up, which yeah. aren't as exciting. Yeah. Um, I felt like I'd done a lot of what I wanted to do. And you know, the longer you stay in, the more you end up sat behind a computer yeah, okay. or teaching yeah. 
which again wasn't something that I wanted to do. It's yeah. going backwards for me. Yeah, you get paid more, you've got more responsibility, but mm. I kind of enjoyed it in my first two years yeah, where but, your responsibility is ladder man. Yeah. Or yeah, 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 yeah. you know, you, you're just a, a shooter in a stack. Yeah. You just gotta, you know, go through that door or, or Yeah. So when you decided to leave, what was the first thing you did when you left? You get a pension, by the way. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> that's done for life. Yeah, I mean I left after 14 years, so I got okay. what's known as half pension. Yeah. If you stay in for uh, 22 years or 24 years, you get a full pension, okay. which is active as soon as you leave. Okay. So I get it's not it's not bad considering yeah. I did 14 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I get like a payout when I'm 55. I got payout when I left. I got payout when I'm 55. Okay. Um, when I'm 60. 60, 67 yeah, or 60. keeps going well, up and yeah, up I'm not, to be honest I, just, <laughs> I don't pay I'm attention like, yeah. hopefully I'll get to that age <laughs> I don't need a pension I'm hoping yeah. <laughs> so then what was the what was the move when you left you're like right I'm out of here now what was the what was that transition like from being in the special forces and then going into civilian life was that difficult yeah, for you yeah weird yeah yeah definitely um, you know people say it's very probably very close to people you know retiring from sport yeah um you know, that was your job for the last 14 years yeah. that, or 10 years. Yeah, 14 years. Um, especially coming out of the SAS where um, you're part of this this close-knit team of people that are all thinking and feeling and doing the same things. Yeah. And, you know, the, the piss-taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, the just, best bit, isn't it? Yeah, walking into, <laughs> yeah. Walking into the hangar or the office in the morning and yeah. there's, there's, there's lads around that, you can always chat to and yeah. it's a family, right? Yeah. You'll go for, go for a coffee at 10. Sounds and, very similar to rugby boys. Rugby do you know legs. what? After reading, so similar. Yeah. After reading like Dylan's and, yeah. and Haskell's book. Yeah. It's exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. Initiations. Yeah. Like, all, all the piss taking, yeah. all, the, all the banter. It's exactly, yeah. the same. exactly the same. But it's the same job, right? Mm. You both put your body and life on the line and it can be very violent very it's on the pitch or it's in training every day but you're with the boys every day taking a piss and having a laugh and all of a sudden that's taken away from you how did you actually feel that first sort of month um i'd be lying if i didn't say i felt a little bit lost yeah i would be i'm very forward thinking and forward my momentum's always forward so i never look at it as a negative but Mm. um yeah, that first, you know, the first month I'd gone from being in, you know, that squadron with that group of guys and, uh, yeah, I'd gone from that. I I basically left. So the normal route to leave the military, you give 12 months notice. Okay. So you, you during that 12 months, you can do all the courses. It's called yeah. resettlement. Yeah. So you can do courses. You can go okay. away and re-educate. You sit on your ass, mm. do whatever. Mm. Um, and then you leave after that 12 months. Whereas I wanted to get out quite quickly. So I, so I had six weeks. Well, you said you hand your notice in, so I want to get out in six yeah. weeks. Okay. And they, they honored that. That's nice of them. Um, so I'd gone from like working yeah. the, the solid job. And then six weeks later, handing my ID card out, wow. driving out that camp. And I was sat in a London flat, two bed London flat. Staring at the walls. Just thinking, oh, <laughs> just thinking, uh, I don't know. It's a new challenge, of right? Course, but of there's, course. There's a, there's a period where, you you have to make an adjustment from being Jay in the SAS yeah. to Jay as a, a civvy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is there is there uh, a lot of support with mental health leaving the uh, special forces? Yeah, the support if you if you if you want it or need it. Yeah. Um, there never was. I think there never was support. 
There was, but I, I don't think we, you know, I joined 2004. Yeah. I know that that 2006 tour, there was a lot of issues when we came back. There's probably still some going on now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we all came back, got absolutely shit faced and put all the windows through in the, in the block. It yeah. was one of those kind of things. Yeah. Lads just wanted to, and, and then you saw lads just hit the booze, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just spent all the money that they saved on yeah. tour on the booze. And, yeah. um, and back then it was, you know, there hadn't been that much fighting. Mm. So the mental health thing was very new. So now there's a lot of support in place. Um, it's, it's, I find the mental, mental health thing, you know, it's, for men especially, it's a hard thing to talk about, yeah. right? Especially people that have suffered with it. Yeah, It's generally, I know that, you know, we'd get briefs or talks about mental health whilst we were still serving and it was, you'd get figures of guys that are actually seeing people for help and how successful that yeah. is. And, you know, you don't know anything about it because men can be very secretive yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. For, you know, rightly so, right? You're living in a, yeah. a high alpha environment of, of guys that might see that weakness. as a, a negative or yeah. a weakness. Yeah. When it's actually not. It's not. No, it's not. I completely agree because mm. at the end, it's simple, right? Yeah. It's, you saw a load of shit, your body and brain's reacting to it. Yeah. You're not going to be the same that you were before you saw that shit. Yeah. That's going to take some adjustment period before yeah. you start to feel normal. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I wish, you know, I suffered a little bit whilst I was serving. Mm. Um, and again, I didn't go and see anyone, mm. but you, you understand that that's what it is, right? It's my body just and brain just Adjusting, adjusting to yeah. a different environment that I was operating in. Is that PTSD? In. I'd say if you labeled it, yeah, yeah, PTSD. Yeah. But, um, I'd say it was just more, more that, right. It was just an adjustment that I had to make. Mm. So you become massively desensitized yeah. when you're, when you're serving, um, naturally, right. Yeah. You, you, the things that you do, um, you have an ability in your mind to be able to switch that yeah. off. And I think that translating translates into a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So you end up switching off a lot of emotion, a lot of, which is still there. Right. Yeah. So you switch it all off. So when you come back home and you speak to your girlfriend, yeah. you, you struggle, you struggle yeah. to communicate with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time I, um, I was on a busy, a busy task. Um, so we were going out, we dismantled a full IED network, which was, they make, they make these explosive bombs um ied stands for improvised explosive device so they make these homemade bombs um and there was a a network which was say a gang yeah um operating in a certain area that we dismantled and took down um which was a busy three months doing yeah. that it was we were doing back-to-back -back jobs i had a chance to fly back in 24 hours instead of doing so when you fly back from operations you have a period of three days where you sit in cyprus and decompress okay so you you go through the period of right that was work now we chill out right, and then okay. we go back to our families okay okay um and i didn't have that i just flew back in 24 hours and right. i'd literally come off a job i'd come off a back, like three back-to-back -back jobs jumped in a helicopter flew back jumped in a plane flew back landed in the uk jesus and i'd still had that switch <laughs> yeah. off in the head right yeah, yeah, so i was yeah. like yeah I was like right i'm in this place <laughs> i shouldn't be feeling the yeah. way i feel yeah yeah because i'm used to feeling like that in in afghanistan or yeah. wherever yeah but I was feeling like this blue skies and birds tweeting. Yeah. And that was, for me, that was a weird, that was a feeling inside me. It was just like, what is just going like, on? Yeah, yeah. Couldn't really understand it, but knew that I felt, didn't feel right. And I was on the train up North to, to see an ex girlfriend and you just can't f put together everything at the time. Wow. It's, it's a weird no feeling. one knows what you've just gone through and what you've just no. seen. And 24 hours later, you're back in 
London, <clears throat> getting a train up to up north. Yeah, trying to go for dinner with my ex. Just like, sat down, just like. <laughs> I don't know why you picked an ex. <laughs> That's a double whammy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she was an ex. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> she is now. She is now. <laughs> Quality. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, you don't know who to talk to, right? Yeah. You don't know. I couldn't speak to any of the lads. They yeah. were all still over, over on Ops. Yeah. Um, so you just got to deal with it. And mm. I found probably I was drinking a bit too much because mm. that helped with it. Um, whether it helps it in the long run, I don't, no. I don't know. I wouldn't, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it was a negative and it didn't turn into, turn into a yeah. problem, but definitely made me feel a little bit better for that yeah. brief period yeah, absolutely. um and then you know two weeks later i was fine yeah still fine now <laughs> with that little twitch going on yeah. <laughs> and then so when did you i, I want to know about climbing mount everest how on earth do you go around about climbing mount everest what was the idea behind it how much did it cost to do and how long did it take so that the, it was an opportunity that came up while still still serving. Yeah. And I specialized in, so I was mountain troop. So specialized in the mountains, lucky enough to go and um, become a mountain guide yep. over in Germany. Um, and then came back and there was a, an ex-regiment guy, John, who'd been, uh, so he was involved in an incident in Afghanistan where a helicopter had landed on a vehicle that he was sat in. Yeah. Totaled the vehicle, totaled him. You know, his toe was in his hip. Oh, so his man. knee had completely gone no. all the way around. You know, multiple broken ribs, broken back, everything you can think of, mm. right? Chunk out of his head. Mm. Gone through gone through his rehab. Ended up setting a, a, a business up. Yeah. Doing really well. Yeah. Successful. Yeah. Made his money. And then he was in a position where he just wanted to do, you know, stuff that he wanted to do. Yeah. Good um, for him. And K2, which is another mountain, which yeah. is the second highest mountain in the world. He wanted to climb K2. So... He basically asked the regiment if they wanted to put anyone on this expedition. I put my name forward and devised the training plan because John had never done any climbing. Yeah. So, you know, we went up to the Lake District. We went out to Chamonix in France. Um, and then we ended up on a mountain called Manasley, which is the eighth highest in the world, okay. which is also in Nepal, yeah. which we failed on miserably. And John nearly died. But um, Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's <laughs> rewind that. John nearly died. How? Yeah. We just, we, we made a load of mistakes going into okay. this mountain. It was the first 8,000 that we climbed. And how we, many feet is that? Is that 29, 30,000 feet? Yeah, about that. Okay. About 20, 26, okay. 27. Okay. Just the two of you? Just the two of us. Okay. So we'd, we'd gone to climb this mountain and uh, we flew out way too late. Um, you get a six week window to climb an 8,000 er. Yeah. And that, so in that six weeks, you've got to walk to the mountain, to the base camp which is a height difference of maybe, you know, 4,000, 5,000 meters in altitude. So you do that slowly to okay. acclimatize because yeah. the yeah. body can only acclimatize to 500 meters at yeah. a time. You then stay for a period at base camp and then do an acclimatization leg where you go up to a, an altitude of around 7,000 meters, come back down, and then your body can produce red blood so cells. You're going up another 7,000 to come back down. Yeah, and then you give your body time. <laughs> Because you want to, <laughs> you want to, you want to shock your body. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. So your body starts producing red blood cells. Okay. So you're able to take on more oxygen because there's less higher up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you then look for a weather window when you can summit the mountain. So we basically gave ourselves three weeks. So flew out too late. Um, I actually went out to Bali for three. Yeah. <laughs> I had, the, <laughs> I, had I had the six weeks off. Booked yeah. it in with the, the sergeant major. Yeah. 
And uh, John was like, I can't fly out till three weeks later. I was like, just don't tell anyone, mate. I yeah. got to Bali for three weeks. <laughs> Pina coladas, swimming pool, <laughs> chicks everywhere. Oh, no one even knew to this day. There's one guy that knows in the whole squad. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, I flew back from Bali and then we had three weeks to climb this mountain. You know, that six week period is there for a reason yeah. for, to let your body adjust and yeah. produce the red blood cells. We didn't and we, we flew, we helicoptered in straight to base camp or yeah. just below base camp. John was having these massive like headaches and migraines. We we took it easy, but we basically rushed everything. Um, got John up to camp two on a on a summit push. He looked like he was gonna die. Wow. Um, got stuck in a snowstorm. Um, and I'd for some reason decided to pack light because I didn't think that we'd. So I took the amount of food that I thought we needed for the days that we'd be out. Yeah. Um, which when we were stuck in a a tent at camp two. We yeah, there's so much that went wrong. We our tents were up at Camp Three. We got stuck at Camp Two in tent, so we were living in these two man tents with these Germans that had luckily taken us in as orphans. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was a mi- miserable few days. We were sat in this tent. It was hammering it down with snow. We basically fucked up on it, and I'd eaten all my food, and oh, John wasn't man. acclimatizing, and I wasn't really. And then we set off after this massive snowstorm. Um, basically, avalanche triggers at a certain angle of slope yeah which this mountain manaslu has loads of them yeah we set off out after camp two all fatigued all knackered because you don't sleep up there Mm. um because the body just can't rest as well and um we're going over all this avalanche prone terrain and um we got up to say just below camp four and we saw a couple of avalanches happen and They're the biggest killers in the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. So we just, I just grabbed John and turned around and just said, no, we're not. We're Let's not. go back. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what are, you, what are you thinking when you're sitting in a two-man tent, shivering, and it's, what's going through your head? Do you think I could actually die here? No, that was just miserable. Right, okay. There's a food thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we sat for, t- sat for two days in this snowstorm. No food? No food. Oh, man. Like one, one or two meals a day. Wow. Like literally, no, one meal a day. Yeah, yeah. Less than that. Yeah like a bit of the scraps from, from what the Germans had. I was just, yeah. I mean, you, you want to get high, right? You've got that, you, you've got that drive to get to the summit. Mm. All sorts of things must trigger in your mind though, surely. Yeah. I need to get out of here alive. But I, it's, it's, you don't like the, you don't feel danger until it creeps up on you, right? Okay. So yeah, you probably quite vulnerable where you sat, but you know, being in a tent at camp two, there's not much that can happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can get bogged in maybe. Um, it's further up. I think the avalanches were a bit more like Fear. the old, yeah. you know, yeah, five pence, 20 yeah, pence started yeah, yeah, going yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, I, um, I turned around to one of the Sherpas. I was like, Ming, where I was like, avalanche. He's like, yeah. I yeah, was like, oh, and these, these, this German team who were more experienced than us were, you know, they were charging up there and I don't know, you get lured into that false sense mm. of security. That what they, they're doing it with. Yeah. With, with, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll follow those guys. Good and deal. Yeah, it was when the, the slope started slipping away under oh, us. We're just like, no, let's get out of here. <laughs> get me home. Yeah, that was quite, that was coming down was quite scary because yeah. I had jobs. Is it harder to come it. down than it is go up? Yeah, it's a, pe- it's a pain in the ass. So, yeah. Like Everest, right? So so you do all your, you, you walk to base camp, acclimatize, yeah. go up to 7,000 meters, come, come down. Come back down. Yeah. Get, your red blo- get your red blood cells. Pack more food. <laughs> yeah, more food. <laughs> and go again. Yeah. We actually tried on that last, so summited last year, we um, we, t- we tried to do a, a sneaky little attack and 
there was a few lads that were quite strong in the group. So yeah. we, we tried to summit early and um, yeah, didn't make it, but you basically leave base camp and it's seven days to the top and back, but the, the summit push the summit day, mm. you're at camp three, which is 7,300 meters. And you, you get there and you sleep and then you wake up at 5am, pack all your stuff up. And then you set off at 5am, get to camp four for 4pm, yeah. sleep till 7pm, mm. leave at 8pm. Summit for say, we summited at six, seven in the morning. And wow. then you come all the way back down to camp two. And I got back to camp two around nine o'clock at night. Oh. So it's a good 40 hours. Of... Wow. So just, just when you get to the summit, what do you see? How do you feel? And there's like a pint of Guinness at the top waiting for you or something. Is <laughs> <laughs> there anything up there? Nothing. <laughs> no. So what's the it's feeling like when you've actually achieved it? Again, it was that that first time was quite an anticlimax. Yeah. Because you get, I got to the top. It was great getting to the top. Yeah. I felt strong. I, yeah. I didn't feel fatigued or knackered. Yeah. I didn't feel like I'd stressed myself a lot to get to the summit. Mm. So when I stood on the top, I was like, you could be stood on any patch of yeah. land anywhere in the world. Yeah. There's nothing that, like Everest doesn't feel any different than standing on a hill in yeah. Scotland. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's a patch of, of land. Um, there's like some flags and, and poles and stuff okay. that have been hit into the, into the snow. Um, but yeah, it's quite an anticlimax. How many people died trying to get to the top of Mount Everest? And did you ever see any dead bodies on your journey? Yeah. Yeah, you see quite a lot. That second, so last year there was quite a few, few dead bodies. The first time wasn't that bad. Um, I actually met up with, with a couple of the lads this weekend and we're, we're laughing about it. I stood on some dead guy's hand. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But um, yeah, we saw that. So last year we saw quite, quite, um, quite a lot. It was, so when we, when we left, so there's quite a few getting brought down, quite a few Westerners getting brought down mm. whilst we were going up from, from camp three. Um, and then when we left camp four, it was like a horror film. Yeah. So we we started climbing and, the Sherpas were bringing down clients that had tried to summit the day before yeah. that were like wacko. Yeah. So one of them I think was already dead, if not on his way. Yeah. So they've got two Sherpas. So it's a hill. Yeah. There's two Sherpas stood like up the hill and they've got ropes coming from the harnesses to right. the body. Right. And then there's one Sherpa trying to navigate him. Wow. But they were bringing this guy down and his head was just like whacking off the back of these rocks on the way down. And the next this woman that came down behind him was screaming oh. at the top of her voice. And he's getting, there's a few guys that hadn't been up there before. And everyone was like looking at everyone going, it was on it was pitch black. Jesus. Just got a head torch. So you're looking at these, like looking at this woman screaming oh, getting dragged man. down by these dark figures. I was like, <laughs> it's like a horror film. Did you get paid to do this? Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then as you're going up, so there was a body that had fallen um, on the way up from camp four to the balcony. Yeah. And he was still on the rope. So you've got a, you clipped onto a line that's yeah. a safety line or whatever. So as you come up to him, you've got a, he's like, you've got this ascender device called the Jumar that's still on the rope with his hand attached to it. <laughs> so you've got to unclip where his hand is oh, no. and then reclip round him and like walk around him. And I think his hand was like this. And I just remember standing on this squidgy thing and my mate was like, you're on his hand. I was like, ah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it, what, what amazes me, I've read that you've done it twice. Yeah. Was the first time easier or the second time? First time. First time. Yeah, I think for no Is that because it's the unknown? I don't know, you know. I think I just felt stronger on that first that first summit push. Um, 
I, I don't know whether I, you know, my preparation, my fitness going mm. into it, food, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, might not have caught, you know, you, you generally catch something when you're in, yeah. in Nepal, whether it be like a bacterial bug. Yeah. You don't really know about it, right? Your body just sorts it out, but you, you generally come back with something. Um, the second time was I was looking after a group of clients. So there was more, more, more responsibility, which comes with its own stress. Mm. Cause everyone pays, you know, go back yeah. to the money. It's, it's roughly around 30 to average is around 50, 50, 50,000 US dollars. Is that 30 grand sterling? Yeah. 30, 40. What if someone wants to go to the top of Mount Everest, cost them 30 grand. Yeah. Wow. Easy. And then can you pay more for, you can pay up to say 150,000 US dollars. Uh, and what do you get for a hundred grand sterling from 30 grand to hundred? You get just nicer conditions. You get probably better staff. I'm so thinking, you get, I'm thinking completely different luxuries to you here between <laughs> 30 grand and 100 grand. <laughs> you want that rubber weapon? Yeah? <laughs> Bring it back. Yeah. You get a rubber weapon on yeah, your bed. Yeah. <laughs> now you go up and there's, there's, you know, their camp will be like a massive, one of those Glamping massive dome tents. Tent, oh, yeah, okay. With okay. like sheepskin rugs and, oh, okay. and whatever, and PlayStations. Like a, and like a VVIP night. Yeah, and the food's package. better and the, they've got beers. Yeah, and, okay. Um, you know, they've got each an individual tent. Now we're talking. In. Yeah. Now we're talking, Joe. Sheepskin roads. <laughs> and, um, but, it, you know, once you leave base camp and the luxuries of base camp, yeah. it all it's all pretty much the same when you yeah, get higher okay. up. You all sleep in a two-man tent. Yeah. Um, and you, then you've got to take your own equipment, right? And it's just as, it's just as hard, but yeah. you're probably guaranteed that, you know, some of the, the higher-end guiding companies, um, they'll guarantee that, that, that you summit or come back down alive. Yeah. Uh, and they've got like a hundred percent hit rate okay. on that. Okay. So move, moving on to um, the TV program SAS, Who Dares Wins. How did that all come about? So I, you know, left uh, left the military, set up through dark a clothing brand with a couple of couple of SBS lads. Yeah. And then at the time, the producers got in touch with with us um, to provide clothing for the show. And at the same time, just you know, just said, look, we're looking for this new storyline for a for a mole. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys interested? Um, at the time, yeah, it was a bit of a no-brainer. We yeah, just all, all applied for it, and uh, yeah, I got the short straw. Yeah, and how did you how did you feel leading up to that? Was there any nerves? Was there any fear? Was there any sleepless nights about going on to a show? Probably all. It was, was it? Yeah, I think more coming out of the SAS, going on TV is not what's done. Right, okay. You know, we, we signed the Official Secrets Act, you know, which bounds us not to talk about certain things, yeah. and TV is, or media is... Yeah an outlet to, to, to break that, yeah. that, that, that act that you sign. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, ever since Andy McNabb got out and ripped Bravo to zero yeah. and Chris Ryan had written his stories. Um, was that seen as bad back then? Yeah. It was, was it? Yeah, okay. massively. It still is. It's still okay. frowned upon, right? To go out and write a book about an operation you've been on. Right. And there's been other books since leaving. Yeah. Um, there was one about the operation in Iraq that we went on to. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not, a natural progression from being in the SAS to being on TV. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, talking about the identity that I had, I was still, you know, in that, my headspace, you know, still chatted to the lads on, on camp and, you know, I had a good reputation and, yeah. you know, I was trusted and, you know, a, a lot of that comes with a, a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah. And for them, you know, I knew that as soon as I got accepted to go on the TV show that, the TV producers would then speak to, 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 to Hereford, to the SAS. And, you know, I was kind of waiting for the yeah. response, which, yeah, I'm not going to lie, was quite stressful when yeah, you've got, you know, 
your old sergeant major or whatever phoning you up saying what you're doing yeah wow yeah yeah um because you built that trust and that relationship yeah, up absolutely. for so long and now you know i i knew that i was never doing anything wrong right i knew that i wasn't breaking any rules or i'd never bring the regiment into any bad yeah. light i still won't you know mm. yeah that's you know you're insular right you're mm. in this you're in this group in the sas and that's it's like the, the classic thing right if everyone if everyone thinks that blacks are shit color then everyone generally yeah. thinks thinks that blacks are shit yeah. color it's yeah. um so you any phone calls to any of the boys saying what you're doing or was, did you find yeah. kind of like a, a few a messages that came out yeah, okay. i think they're worse right yeah of course it is you phone call mates. i can explain myself yeah, yeah. um and then it, it, quite a weird thing happened i think after a few of those messages came through um like i was on holiday at the time in portugal mm. did the old thing you know went straight to the bar i was yeah. like forget it yeah, yeah yeah and then some i started getting messages of off lads that i wouldn't even see him as mates yeah. whilst i was serving it's a close family right everyone knows everyone yeah um and you stop and chat to people but people that generally weren't my mates were messaging me and saying jay heard about the show don't listen to what everyone's saying yeah, back good. here mate it's a good thing yeah, good. um good that it's you kind of thing yeah. you're doing well um and yeah you know i still speak to lads on camp now and i think after they saw me on the show and they saw that it, it's probably not as bad as what everyone makes mm. out in camp it's, did you enjoy it yeah, I loved it. Did you? Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. And you enjoy being the mole, and then they pulled you out, and then you were at, oh, then you were. Yeah, the mole was mole was shit. Was this? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and they pulled you out. I just and... did it for 14 years. Yeah, for you. <laughs> I don't want to go back <laughs> on as like 35 year old man. <laughs> Get shouted at. By yeah, 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 yeah. And whatever. Yeah. Um, how long you? How long you? How long you? A, a mole for? Six days. Six days. And then how long were you? Four long... days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then you moved on to uh, writing a, a book, Respect is Earned. Mm -hmm. How long did that take you to write? Probably about eight months. Yeah. yeah which is quite good because we had lockdown, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, Lockdown's been good for a lot of things, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that probably took about seven months, mm. which is yeah, interesting. Mm. It was good to revisit my life going from start to finish. Yeah. Um, again, you know, I'd never thought. Yeah. leaving in august 2018 that'll yeah. be i'll be writing a book yeah amazing mm. but massive respect for doing that and did you find that it was a nice feeling to get everything out of your mind in a brain dump and go it's in the book obviously not everything because mm. you can't put everything but was it a nice feeling to yeah declutter the mind yeah a little bit yeah yeah it's, it's still like um I'll, I'll be sat there one day now and just think of a story that i couldn't think it was, it's yeah. weird how you body, your brain just forgets yeah. stuff yeah. um but yeah, you know, the, the book is, it's got stories in there. Mm. You know, the book is all my experience from being in the situations and scenarios that I experienced during, during my time in the special yeah. forces in the military and the climbing. Yeah. Um, and it's put in, it's put into that book. So it's less an autobiography yeah, and more, okay. um, you know, it's the seven characteristics that I see go into being an elite level operator. Yeah. And you can take that and put it put it into whatever you want to yeah. put it into, right? Absolutely. Into sport, into business, absolutely, into, absolutely, into life. Well, I think your acronym "Soldier" is perfect for entrepreneurs and business. Mm. Can you just talk us through "Soldier"? Yeah, sure. So S is self. So um, understanding yourself. So it starts with a personality test, and then it's you know for me that's one of the, the most important chapters. Yeah, I think that you know the more you can understand how you fit into the world and how you fit into say business or what makes you tick yeah. what doesn't make you tick the more you can get out of life yeah. work and play 
Um, O's opportunity, which for me has been something that I've looked to seek out through all my life, whether it's work, whether it's the expeditions, climbing. Um, so it's all, all about recognizing it when it comes in and um, how you take it and tune your body into being able to take it. Uh, L's leadership. So all the, the good parts of leadership, all the bad parts of leadership um, and how you can implement them into your life. Uh, D's danger. So not talking about danger in in terms of Everest or being in firefights, but the reaction your body has from doing things that are difficult or things that you fear is exactly the same as being in a firefight or, you know, blowing up, you know, blowing a door and going into a building. It's the same reaction, right? So whether that's applying for a job that you don't think you're going to get or a job interview or coming on a podcast or starting a business venture, asking a girl or boy out, so all the same reaction that your body goes through. So that's put down in, in, in the danger chapter. Eyes intelligence. So something that, again, I, I never started out to have intelligence. I'm not academic academically intelligent, but I think that special forces soldiers are probably some of the most intelligent people that I've ever met. And it's not so much academic intelligence, it's um, adaptability intelligence. So what happens when shit goes wrong? How do I adapt into that? Uh, and also emotional intelligence. So being able to work in a team, being able to communicate, have social skills. E is excellence. So trying to do everything to the best that you can and, and live by that. Um, and then R is resilience. So, you know, resilience is potentially the biggest skill that anyone in the, in, in the military or especially special forces should have. Um, but it's something that we all could benefit from, right? The world's an easy place to live in. We get up, we've, you know, food's accessible. We've got money in our bank. We've got this four-wheeled vehicle that drives us everywhere. Yeah. You know, the world's an easy place and, you know, there's a lot of bad that comes from that, right? Mm. So resilience is all about how do you bring resilience into your own life? So whether it's, you know, setting your alarm early or um, implementing a fitness regime, cold water, like I love cold water, yeah. getting up and jumping in a cold bin or, a, you know, the sea. <laughs> Getting up and jumping in a cold bin <laughs> with your weapon. <laughs> what do you do? What do you what do you do? What do you do in the morning? Have you got a routine in the morning? Get in the bin. It is, is it? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Or the sea. Yeah. I do the sea sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like you know, it's no different than probably anyone else's. Just get up. I've, I I won't look at my phone till say half nine. Yeah. Um, which I find helps, right? Yeah. Because I can get so much done oh, in the morning oh, before massive. I turn that phone on. Yeah. But then you need that phone, right? Yeah. For so many different things. Yeah. Uh, so I'll leave the phone, I'll get up, you know, get some cold water, whether mm. it's a shower, whether it's getting a cold bin. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then just do some exercise, right? yeah. go for a walk or a run. 100%. Um, train. So powerful, breakfast. so simple, but so powerful is an exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your mind. Wow. Yeah, for everything, right? Everything. Uh, clean. Yeah. Like I just, I have to declutter the house. Yeah. Not because I've got OCD, but I find if I just do that and yeah. then when I turn that phone over at 9.30, and you're ready. good to go for whatever yeah, I need quality, to do. Mate. Jay, I thoroughly enjoyed you having on the show, mate. It's fascinating. I'm absolutely fascinated by the whole thing. I think you're doing amazing things. Your book, Respect is Earned. Everyone should go and check it out. And thanks for coming on the show, mate. Cheers, Dodge. You're a gentleman. Thank you. Good man. <laughs>